Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to Wednesday night and another episode of Know Your Enemy. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. With me, as always, the one and only Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing tonight? I am awesome. Awesome. Just talking to Jeff before we started here and and, uh, just, you know, just getting excited just talking to him and I'm looking forward to it. All right. For for people at home, our guest today is uh, also named Jeff. I'm Jeffrey Benedict. I'll go by Jeff. Correct. I do have to clarify that I spell it the right way. So everyone's clear. I'm going to throw that that gauntlet right out. We're going to get, we're going to get into some, some sore subjects here pretty quick. (laughs) We are, are, know your enemy right out of the gate. (laughs) Yeah. And and in in the, in the interest of friendliness here, I'll I'll just introduce (laughs) our guest. From Buffalo Rumblings, here to talk about the Buffalo Bills, Jeff Kontrowski, also known as Scarecrow. How did you get that that name? So, uh, you know, just uh, if you could see a little bit of me, uh, I grew up pretty quickly height-wise, but not weight-wise. So uh, I've been this this approximate six-foot-tall height since about sixth, seventh grade. But uh, imagine me about 40 pounds lighter. (laughs) <laughs> and the nickname starts to make sense. And then, uh, you know, long heavy metal hair back in the 90s. So, you know, I, I could see the straw man comparison for sure. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So the Buffalo Bills facing the Steelers this week. Buffalo's coming off last season that had a very disappointing, even controversial end in, in an overtime playoff game. Uh, coming to this season, Buffalo bolstered their defense. And again, looks to be one of the top, or if not the top, defense in the NFL. Uh, is this is this Buffalo team living on Super Bowl expectations here? Or is this a team that is this like a Super Bowl or bust team, or is there still a window here that if they don't quite make it this year, it's okay? Uh, I'm not sure Super Bowl or bust, but Super Bowl or a hell of a lot of crying. <laughs> We're gonna have so many disappointed fans if they don't at least get there. Uh, you know, winning would, would certainly be the preference, but yeah, last few years, you mentioned the defense under Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott, they've always had top-notch defense uh, in most metrics, but, you know, acquired uh, Von Miller during the off season, uh, made some other, some swaps uh, on the interior defensive line. And yeah, they, they trying to take it to yet another level with that defense uh, to hopefully push them just a little bit closer to the brink there. First and foremost, I got to say thank you to Jeff for coming on tonight. We was we was coming up against the deadline and was like, hopefully we're going to be able to get somebody on here to, to then as an expert on all because we really want to talk about it. And, and then we sent out the bat signal, and then our buddy Jeff, the one and only Scarecrow, shows up and answers <laughs> that signal. So first of all, thank you for that. Oh no, yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. And yeah, you know, one of the things I do love about the the Vox Media Network and SB Nation in particular is we can have these friendly rivalries. I know I picked on uh, on uh, the other Jeffrey earlier, but you know I'm okay with the French spelling, and you know we go German and Godfrey if you want, whatever. It's all Jeff to me. So uh, <laughs> friendly rivalries where it's at. You know we had. Well, I had a lot of conversations this week with uh, Bills fans. And well, some of the teams we play, the Steelers will play, you know, it's just a, it's just a heated rivalry. There's a lot of the, the hatred on both sides. But I, I mentioned it today on our, uh, on our uh, 
on our site that, you know, everybody's been so respectful. And I think the reason why is the Bills have went to the four Super Bowls, which was unbelievable in a row. I mean, that was unbelievable. I rooted for them in every single Super Bowl. And I was disappointed right along with the rest of the Bills fans. And I think that, that if the Steelers aren't playing the Bills or vice versa, I think there is a mutual respect for both organizations. Absolutely. And, and I, and I, you know, we look at Josh Allen and we see young Big Ben, you know, the similarities there. And, and we know what Ben meant to the Steelers and the Steelers Nation. And we can all love Josh Allen. I have a special place in my heart for Jim Kelly because when Ben was going through some youthful ignorance, let's just say, Good way to Jim put Kelly it. <laughs> invited him to his home, took him hunting, you know, taught him how to be a man, showed him, you know, how to handle being a, a superstar quarterback in the NFL. Sure. Jim Kelly has a special place in, in in my heart because of what he did for Ben and their uh, the the how much they care for each other. But I wanted to get that out of the way right off the beginning uh, because I for the Bills and the fan base because it's easy to be a fan when you always win it right <laughs> yeah but when you lose four in a row and the fan base stays low and you know that says something about the fans so much respect there one of the things i wanted to ask to me josh allen is unlike any quarterback in the nfl and that he is a power runner at quarterback and i've said their running game doesn't scare me but josh allen running does scare me that's the um, best way to put it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, when you couple that with that cannon of an arm and everything else, um, how have you seen his growth this year compared to last year? Because it was such a bitter loss, and he did all he could. It wasn't his fault. Right. But it seems like he's come back even more determined because he was getting in fights at joint practices and maybe even got in a scuffle with a teammate. Are you seeing more of an edge this year? That's tough to say because he's always had that edge. Uh, draft night, I mean, the most classic Josh Allen clip, draft night, uh, a fan, he's being interviewed by one of our local reporters, and a fan throws him a hat to sign from, I think, second deck you know, of, of the, the draft room. He mm-hmm. signs it, throws it back right up into the guy's hands, looks at the camera, and says just one word, accuracy. Yeah, he's always had that chip on his shoulder. He knew pre-draft, everyone's knocking on him for, for accuracy and ball placement. And, you know, the first – First real on-air interview he does as a member of the Buffalo Bills, he's already calling out the reporters. So, you know, he, he tries to have this humble attitude, uh, which plays very well to the media. Like, no, you know, I let it roll off my back. I'm not worried about it. But you can tell every tiny little bit of criticism he takes to heart. And rather than, than uh, you know, going to this, this rage and uh, clouds his judgment, he takes it and brings back this laser focus. So it's hard for me to say he has more edge because I think from day one, he's always been that guy. Uh, but again, you know, folks in, in what I would say is the right way. Uh, so, you know, he had a near MVP season a couple of years ago. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, last year, some discussion around around the same, he didn't get any votes. But, uh, you know, it's hard to say, you know, how how could he improve from those? It's just kind of the normal ebbs and flows of superstardom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he's come back just as determined. And, um, you know, I, I think if you're looking for something that does show he's trying to take that next step, you, you added some new players this offseason, uh, you know, on the offensive side and uh, does not 
change the chemistry. It looks like he's comfortable with him for day one, pretty much zero play time in the preseason comes out and just burns down the Rams in their house. Uh, so I, I don't know if you could really, again, like I said, say that he's more intense, but he's definitely harnessed that, that, in, that intensity and uh, uh, kind of quiet rage almost to his, his behind the, the veneer, you know, play style. Now, Josh Allen, his first season uh, at quarterback, struggled a lot. Uh, second season improved a lot, but still, you know, wasn't wasn't the Josh Allen we see today. And then his third season, Stefan Diggs arrives. And since then, they've been – for Steeler fans, it's a pretty easy comparison to Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger because they seem to just have – like they know where the other person is. They know what the other person is thinking. How important – is Stefan Diggs to the development of Josh Allen and how important is he to like Josh Allen now? Yeah. So to, to develop to, to your point, uh, I was a bit controversial for his first two years because I called him out very bluntly year one. Uh, he showed flashes of potential, but year one, when you look at the metrics, you look at the stats, just simply not good enough. That's not the quarterback you want when you're drafting somebody in the first round. Again, you know, he gets a pass. He's a rookie year two, as you mentioned, he improved, but compared to league average, he was still a pretty mediocre quarterback. For, for most measures. So Diggs arrives, he makes that leap. And to, to your point, how important was Diggs to have that safety valve and to psychologically take the pressure off of, I need to make every play. I need to make something happen every down, I think was important. And Diggs being able to, to provide that outlet, you added Cole Beasley, who added uh, another element of that, where you have those, those safety valves, those players you can count on and really kind of change your mentality to, I can look around a little bit longer. I can, let the play develop as designed. So early on year three, uh, absolutely those changes were huge. Um, and that's the overall jump in talent. I mean, you had him thrown to Kelvin Benjamin one year, uh, not even peak Kelvin Benjamin. He was, he looked like he's mentally checked out. He was a player. I thought had good athletic potential, good physical presence on the field. But by the time he got to Buffalo, he just didn't look like he was the same player anymore. Uh, and then you compare even peak Kelvin Benjamin to peak Stefan Diggs is no comparison. So early on, I think that's huge. And then for what he means to him today and for this season, you just have that that psychological edge, knowing that somebody that you're cl that close with, uh, that you have that chemistry with, is, is going to battle, so to speak, with you at the same time. And I think having that, that kind of security blanket or that uh, camaraderie is still important for the team. And I still think it helps who their identity is and uh, focus on the field. And then, I mean – player that caliber. I don't care what team you are. I don't care who's behind center to add somebody that caliber is, is always a huge gain. Just, uh, you know, to have that superstar next to you. I think we all had it circled on the calendar when we seen this game coming up was, you know, Mitch Trubisky going back to Buffalo right. <laughs> and, you know, and, and he, he spoke so speak so highly of Buffalo and, and how much he learned there. And, and he felt like he grow as a, as a quarterback and, so that's why we was all so excited when the Steelers signed him in free agency. And and I really believe that Buffalo would have liked to have him back, if, you know, if it would have been an option. But, right, uh, you know, some of the things that, that popped up in Chicago, we, we've seen the first three and four and beginning last week out of Trump. And he was just, if you design the play and the play goes according to design, especially if he's on the move, he is so effective right. and he just looks so good. But if he gets caught in the pocket and his first read ain't there 
and especially where you didn't trust the offensive line a lot because of the way it ha- the preseason went down, we started to see these limitations. And and then so now the what I was looking forward to seeing Trubisky play against Buffalo. Now y'all get to prepare for Kenny Pickett. Uh, right. I will say that Pickett probably he processes. Uh, he's like a a an elite point guard, and that he he not only distributes the ball, he distributes it accurately on time in rhythm, where guys can do something with it. And so, what have you heard uh, people talking about Pickett in preparations to play him this week? So yeah, a lot of it is uh, is kind of an incomplete. You know, I, I checked out some stats prior to coming on, and 13 pass attempts, you know, in half a game is not a very large volume against, uh, you know, full speed NFL or defenses. Mm-hmm. So incomplete is mostly what I'm hearing. But the the one thing that I think surprises me, uh, and I'm going to be doing uh, probably an opponent preview that I do every week. I'm probably going to do that on Kenny Pickett because I want to get a, a much more focused version of that for myself. But when you take a look at the stat sheet, three intercepts, interceptions jumps off uh, like this big sore thumb, uh, and, and then. When you expect to hear the chatter on a player like that, it should typically be how poorly they played. And I'm not hearing that about Pickett uh, at all from from really anybody I'm connected with on social media. And I'm um, hearing a lot of explanations for those those three interceptions were, you know, tip passes or, or things that really are out of his control. And a lot of the focus is on the positive, which, uh, you know, is very surprising if you, you compare the box score to the conversation that's surrounding him. So. I'm looking forward to, to checking out the film myself. I haven't had a chance to do that uh, really much this week uh, for non-Bills football that is. I've already dove into the, the Ravens game a few times. Uh, so, you know, that's intriguing to me. And I want to take a look at specifically the things you mentioned. Uh, to me, one of the things rookie Josh Allen struggled with was ball placement. Uh, you know, he's getting to the receivers. Completion percentage was okay at times. Uh, but but where is he hitting him? You know, are they able to run? Are they able to to do something with it. Um, they put in danger from those passes, those kinds of things. So I, I want to see those types of things with, with Pickett as well and uh, just take a look at it and see where we're at. But um, positive chatter for somebody with that box score. So that's, that's intriguing to me. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you, I've been, I've been digging into Kenny Pickett's film, looking at all of his passes. I just did one. Uh, we just did a article. Uh, one guy and I, we do a article where we do stats and then film. Yeah. And uh, we did it on George Pickens and him and the George Pickens, Kenny Pickett connection uh, compared to what he was able to do with Trubisky, who I'd say Trubisky wasn't placing the ball greatly. Like he wasn't doing really great jobs of, of ball placement. And Kenny Pickett was putting it really giving his receivers a chance to go get the ball, really giving them those chances. And it, it stands out that none of none of his balls hit the ground. Not a single ball hit the ground, and two of the three interceptions hit his receiver's hands. Right. Uh, so he was he was placing it well. I will say, uh, I, I know there's a lot of people out there, and I commented this on Twitter that are like, if you say, okay, you know those two those two interceptions before the hail mary, they weren't they weren't the best decisions, but they were still like not terrible throws, and, and people will will jump on you for that because uh, <laughs> Kenny Kenny Pickett's tiny hands throws nothing but perfect passes. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> but, but he did have he did have a few rookie mistakes. Yeah, nuance right? nuance does not have a lot of uh, fans in the football world sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So, so one of the things I'm looking for in this game <laughs> is we're going to see some rookie mistakes. We're going to see some of those throws where, in the heat of the moment, he makes a throw that would have worked at Pitt, 
that would have worked in the ACC and isn't going to work against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, so my question for you is, obviously Jordan, Jordan Poyer is on the injury report. What kind of how, – how dangerous are the Bills to turn rookie mistakes into turnovers and maybe even points going the other way? Incredibly dangerous. So one of the things I did want to focus on, uh, I'm a big fan of rate stats. So I did take a look at some of those just to make sure I had my facts completely straight. I don't want to be torn apart by those fans who don't want the nuance, uh, you know, to jump <laughs> on one of my, my ill-conceived facts. But uh, first off, props to the Pittsburgh defense because, you know, I wanted to check both sides of the stats. I think you're fourth in interception rate. Yeah. So that that's that's pretty great. Uh, and I'm going to just turn that into a humble brag because the Bills are number one in interception rate. And uh, – to, to back that up even further, they're number two in sack per pass attempts, which, uh, you know, the third third kind of fact I want to look up to kind of bundle those three together is 8.8% uh, is their blitz rate, which is by far the lowest in the league. So they're, they're hitting home a lot. You know, one out of every nine pass attempts, they're bringing the quarterback down and they're doing it with only rushing four. Uh, so when you're talking about those rookie mistakes, that means a lot of times you're having seven players who are all usually pretty fast. The Buffalo's uh, Buffalo defense is usually a three-three-five uh, nickel. I'm sorry, uh, usually four-two-five. Sorry, then they, they sprinkle in some three-three-five. Uh, you know, on occasion, though, Von Miller I've even seen drop back into pass coverage. Tremaine Edmonds has has done tremendous in uh, pass coverage as well. So. You get a lot of fast players. Uh, Taron Johnson is very underrated slot cornerback. Um, and any little bounce, there are usually seven guys in coverage, um, often in zone. So they're looking for those passes. They're looking for those tips. They're looking for what the quarterback's going to do. And seven sets of eyes to, you know, four to five receiving targets. Um, they can win that numbers game quite a bit. So um, I know the going back to the social media chatter, a lot of people are in love with the idea of facing a rookie quarterback, um, just because usually the stats bear out pretty successful defensive day. Yeah, I think that the the Von Miller acquisition was just brilliant with a team that a true Super Bowl contender and was such a, a you know elite. You know, a lot of people don't talk about dominant defense. You know, last year with the Bills, but you know, they were so consistent and fundamental and solid, you know, number one. Uh, and that is dominant now. The, you don't see the dominance that the of the Steel Curtain or the, you know, the Bears, 85 Bears. Defenses right. are, are different now because of the way the rule changes. And uh, there's all these new offenses that will – are they find and exploit mismatches. And really, it's hard to do that. If you watch the Bills' defense on tape, there's really hard to find a mismatch. Now, the Steelers, the middle of the field is always wide open. And anybody that, you know, that will exploit that uh, can have a field day. Last year, the, the Bills just did not try to run no. at all. And they, they did the Steelers a favor. But right. <laughs> without T.J. Watt, you know, and that in his ability to, to elevate everyone around him, and that pass rush gets home and creates havoc. They're exposed, especially in the middle of the field. Who do you think the Steelers need to be worried about the most in the middle of the field? Um, is it Knox or is it you know McKenzie? Because I know he's got a concussion. Who do you think would be the biggest threat right there? 
Yeah, Knox is going to be huge, uh, but they don't always go to him over the middle of the field. So it depends on the game plan, and they do tend to vary things up. The biggest threat I think you actually have middle of the field uh, is is Josh Allen. Uh, you know, I think if he finds any little any little gap and mm-hmm. they they put their attention elsewhere, that's big. And to your point, you know, last year with the run game, uh, one of the historical weaknesses for this this version of the Bills under Sean McDermott is the power run game. So I'm not sure they could have really exploited the run game very well against Pittsburgh last year, uh, even if they had been trying, which, which again, as you, you mentioned, they really did not. So uh, depends on, on what they, they want to scheme. And uh, another surprising answer, they have been sprinkling in Stefan Diggs uh, at slot receiver quite a bit this year. So they're trying to mix and match him all over the field to exploit that. So, you know, you, you remove Watt from the field and you open up that middle. And uh, I would not be surprised to see him get some touches there. Um, you know, you mentioned McKenzie's out or could be out uh, potentially with a concussion or, or limited, um, you know, so who could step in to take that role? Uh, you know, they, they had a field day last year against the Patriots uh, with McKenzie. He's kind of a surprise player. So they brought him up kind of spontaneously, you know, for the one game, sprinkled heavy doses of him, him in, and he just had an amazing game there. So, uh, you know, the usual names certainly come up, but um you know, they, they do pride themselves on creativity and versatility you know, on this. So uh, pick your poison. And it depends on on what Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott want to throw at you on Sunday. Looking at the stat sheet and, and thinking about the run game, which the Steelers are, the Steelers are again struggling to uh, stop the run this year. Josh Allen has four fewer carries than Devin Singletary. And significantly more yards. Is is this almost like a Lamar Jackson? Like, I know the Ravens are very run heavy. And then Lamar Jackson is also one of their main runners. Uh, the Bills are, are not run heavy. But is Josh Allen kind of your main running back on this team? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I alluded to that just a moment ago with the lack of a power running game. So sometimes they try and shoehorn that in. And Devin Singletary is not big enough. Uh, to make that work. Mm-hmm. So he's not not vintage Frank Gore or anything like that. Uh, Zach Moss, for some reason, a lot of people think of him as kind of bringing the thunder, but, you know, we've yet to see it. And even when I checked his college film when he, when he came to the Bills originally, you know, again, not a power runner. So there really is no running back on the team that could provide that that power, uh, you know, push to, to that. So they got to finesse it. And they've had some injuries along the offensive line. They've had a couple things happening uh, with players developing. And uh, again, a new offensive coordinator. So developing this uh, run game has been a little slow. Devin Singletary's, in my opinion, their best true running back. But he does need a bit of a seam and he does need a a little bit of space uh, to operate in a lot of cases. So the big difference with Josh Allen is that he's gigantic. Uh, He's way bigger than than most of the running backs. He will push a couple players if he needs to. Um, He's tall enough to, as we've seen numerous times, jump over players. And he, he's, unlike a running back, able to pick his spot. So, you know, if the, the play calls get the ball to Singletary, he's getting the ball, he's going where the play's designed, and that's what's going to happen. Where with Josh Allen, it's often more spontaneous, and he's only doing it if there's something there. So by far, uh, you know, probably their most dangerous uh, running back to the point where even, um, you know, we had a, a controversial pick with his draft with the Giants taking a running back very high. And my initial joke for the first few years was, well, you wasted a pick because we got the best running back too. You know, we got a quarterback and the best running back in the draft. So just that kind of lethality. So there's definitely some similarities 
to, to Lamar Jackson uh, in that dual threat role. But as a team, the Ravens bring a little more balance to the rest of their room. So I think they're yeah. a more dynamic running threat where with the Bills, if they show you run with one of the running backs, more than likely, you know, you have an edge there. What do you think is the um, is the biggest still hole that the Bills have on offense? I know we've we just talked about the power running, uh, but of course, you know, Allen makes up for a lot of that, right? But but if there's one thing that you think that you know with the trade deadline and everything like that, we're being such a serious contender. If there was one thing you could add to that Bills offense that you think could put that offense over the top, what would it be? That's tough. Uh, you know, I think if we could maybe – if we could pick anybody in the league, you know, maybe I'm grabbing a right tackle, uh, you know, if I could pick anyone from there. Spencer Brown, um, you know, last year looked very dynamic in the role, but this year uh, potentially due to a back injury uh, he had during the offseason, I believe it was, not quite as good as he, as he looked last year and definitely some some pressure from the right side that we don't like seeing. You know, as dynamic and, and amazing as Josh Allen is running, we'd rather have him throwing the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. your, your yards per <laughs> yards per player are a little bit higher there, usually a little bit higher threat there. So uh, you give him a little extra time, time and, and things open up even more. And, uh, you know, the Miami game, that was a big struggle. That was a, a big reason why the Bills couldn't pull that out as a victory, um, you know, getting that pressure. So if you had to, to give me any player on the league, I'm probably going to look around for right tackles that I'm, I'm willing to to spend maybe a little extra money on. Uh, but aside from that, you know, the skill positions that I referenced are running back room. They're not big bruising type backs. I'm okay with that. You know, you, you can set up mm-hmm. a zone scheme. You can set up, uh, you know, different gaps uh, with different play calls as long as your players can execute. So you get, get some more uh, athleticism, some more power um, on the line. And I think Devin Singletary is going to look just fine. Looking at the defense, uh, Gregory Rousseau came in last year, had uh, four sacks in the entire seven, in the entire season. This year he has four sacks four games in. Right. Uh, how much of that is his development and how much of that is the defense around him and the addition you know, of, of Von Miller on the other side? Yeah, so it, it's both those things. I'm going to add a third thing in. Uh, Von Miller on the other side is huge. I, I love Jerry Hughes, and if he's listening right now, I mean, no, I've had your back for years. Uh, you know, I'll prove it with whatever articles I got to show uh, that I've written about you. Jerry Hughes is one of my favorite players of all time to, to wear a Buffalo Bills uniform. Uh, but for the first time last year, uh, when we did our, our after-season analysis, I wrote down, love to have him, but only if the price is right. It's the first time I ever wrote those words about Jerry Hughes. So father time is, you know, the victor against everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, his times, unfortunately, may be coming to an end. So Von Miller, the same cannot be said with that. So that is huge. You know, having a player mm-hmm. Hall of Fame caliber, on the other side, I mean, how do you not try to account for that? And how is that not going to open things up? But, uh, you know, in addition to that, in, in Rousseau or, or Groot, uh, as he goes by developing on his own and uh, really just increasing his own skill set, is the the defense itself. So the Bills have always wanted to rush with four and hit home. It's something that they've tried to do the last few years. Uh, but one of the things that they've often leaned into is more contained. So they really haven't allowed their defensive ends or their edge edge players to attack as much as a lot of people may have liked. So you'll see them kind of spread out and just kind of sit there, you know, waiting to see what the quarterback's going to do, make sure that nothing happens. Where now I think they're attacking a lot more. Uh, I think they have a little more 
freedom to go after the quarterback and um, the players are just eating it up. It looks like they're, they're having a lot of fun and just going after it. That last question I asked about the offense kind of was the lead into this one because I've had him on my fantasy team for a couple of years now. And uh, Gabe Davis, you know, I mean, he'll have some monster games. And, you know, you look like that's that's the complimentary guy they need out wide, outside there to help Diggs. Right. And he seems like he has such great chemistry. That playoff game against the Chiefs, he lit him up. And in other games, he kind of disappears. And and then I'll check it out to see what happened, and there'll be like an agony injury or this or that. There's always seems like there's something. What do you think is holding him back? Because it seems like the only thing he needs is consistency. Yeah, and to your point, definitely some injuries have hampered him, and some of it is, uh, you know, he, he plays like he's a vet, but he's still – He's still pretty fresh. You know, mm-hmm. he's not been in the league that long. And so I think some of that stuff just still has to develop naturally. Uh, you know, usually for a lot of the skilled position players, you look for year three, typically speaking. So, you know, we're at about the point where we want him to break out and we're expecting to see that development take its natural course. But but again, this year, uh, the injuries have been the biggest factor. Um, but prior seasons, you know, uh, go you go the way Josh Allen goes. So some games he will hone in. I, I referenced the Patriots game earlier. For some reason, he and McKenzie just just blew up. That game was just dynamite for the both of them. Uh, you know, and you mentioned the Gabe Davis uh, against the, the Kansas City last year in the playoffs. Uh, you know, similar kind of blow up. Um, you, you get that with Josh Allen. You know, if, if he sees that you're open all day, he's going to take it all day. Uh, mm-hmm. So you definitely see those ebbs and flows. You see that even with Stephon Diggs. Uh, but because he's kind of a household name at this point, you don't generally see people calling out the ebbs and flows as much. Um, but for sure, you know, I do think Gabe Davis could become a more consistent threat. And part of that, like I said, just, just natural development, I think will do that. And, um, you know, being more integrated in the team and final thought on that, uh, you know, we did see some fluctuating snap counts for him in his first couple seasons. And that's a huge difference too. So, uh, for the bills, he was more of a, a game plan specific player. So, you know, some games he's he's close to, uh, I call it the 100% club, the players who are on the field the whole time. Other games, you know, he's lucky to hit 50, you know. So that your playtime is, is huge for a wide receiver. You can't get targets if you're on the bench. So um, a lot of factors, but uh, injuries, hopefully they'll resolve and we'll get that consistent player we're all hoping for. And uh, for your sake, um, I hope he, he helps you win some, some fantasy championships. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, on the injury report, we have Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Poyer. So hold on one second. Are either of those expect uh, players expected to play? I'm sorry. Which you play? I had something. My my phone was uh, going off on the side. I didn't want that to cause okay. distraction. Oh, that's a fine. Uh, with Jordan Poyer and Tremaine Edmonds, I believe both missing practice. Are yeah. are either of those a, a real threat to miss this game, or are, or are they expected to be back? So that, that's one area I don't monitor as closely as maybe I should. Um, but the <clears throat> current reaction I'm getting doesn't seem to be too worried about either of those players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Poyer specifically will play through whatever he can. He's definitely demonstrated that toughness over the years. And Tremaine Edmonds is, is coming up kind of uh, almost as a surprise. So, I mean, you never know uh, with any of those players. But um, if they're on the report, there is a reason. And the Bills generally don't monkey around with that. They, they don't like yeah. to do a whole lot of shenanigans. So, 
what you see is a pretty good reflection, but my current feeling is we're not too worried about them, but I hope I'm not wrong. Okay. And to follow up on that with Jordan Poyer specifically, what he, he's a very, very good safety. Uh, and if he's out, what does that open up? What does that mean for the bills? Like how does that affect their defense? Yeah. One of the biggest things, I mean, obviously, you know, you take any one of 11 players off the field when they're that level, um, it's a direct impact on that particular position and the player below them and, and the quality of play. Uh, but for for the Bills specifically in 2022, it is a major issue in addition to that. So you are lacking some of your veteran presence on the back end. Uh, Tredavious White is still out after an injury last uh, Thanksgiving. Micah Hyde, unfortunately, also put on IR earlier in the season. So there's your other, um, in my opinion, all pro caliber player on the back end. So you have, you know, three, in my opinion, again, all pro players for your secondary, two of the three are gone. Uh, you drop the third one, your communication drops, uh, your ability to, to cover mistakes for some of the younger guys goes down and it just has that ripple effect for everybody. So three players of that caliber being out in one game is, is not something I like to see. It's no secret that the Steelers were enamored with Jermaine Edmonds you know, in that draft cycle. Yeah. Uh, and look at Eddie, man, it just, you know, all the Edmonds are athletic, but he was just, he's got the size, the speed. And you know, so, you know, we're, we're, we don't get to follow the bills like you do, but you know, I'll, I'll check and see what's happening. You know, how, what kind of game did he have, you know, uh, because they're all really good guys They're That's a, a top right. notch group of guys right there, that family. But, he doesn't seem like he's hit in the NFL like we thought he was capable of. But that's from the outside looking in. You having the insider information, what do you think of how he's progressing and developing? So, yeah, you're going to get a definitely opinion-based answer uh, because <laughs> for the Bills fans, he's probably the most polarizing guy. And he, he gets a lot more love outside of Buffalo than inside for whatever reason. Um, and a lot of it is people have this – uh, you know, kind of uh, old school thumping linebacker in their head that they want to see. So uh, you don't really have that type of player need in the current NFL. And the Bills really wanted him for his range and speed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, one of the things I do every year is I, I double check the, the yards per play metric. And for most of the years recently, your absolute best team running the ball is still nowhere near as good on a yards per play metric as the worst team passing the ball. So the, the, the game is skewed so much towards the passing game. If you have to pick your poison, and for most players you will, they're either going to be you know pass dominant or, or rush dominant. You pick the pass guy, in my opinion. You you pick the guy who's going to give you that pass edge. And Tremaine Edmonds, to me, does that. He's incredibly fast, and he's deceptively fast because he's just so big uh, and, and so rangy. Uh, you know, his, his arms look like they could stretch half across the field and shuts down huge – chunks of the field just by existing uh in them which is you know something you you absolutely love to have in the current nfl big knock against him for most fans is the lack of impact plays and coming back to scheme <laughs> uh coming back to scheme again you know most of the time if you look at what appears to be his assignment for past years is kind of step back and assess the field and, and react to it which doesn't lead to a lot of your impact plays uh you know for a linebacker and this year, he's not having to do that as much because the, the defensive line is 
a little better at pushing. They're a little better at creating opportunities on their own and keeping him clean. So you're seeing more, um, you know, one uh, play comes to mind. I just did an analysis where, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson is dropping back to pass and they, they got him as a free, free rusher. So you have Tremaine Edmonds who looks like he's eight foot tall and barreling down on Lamar Jackson at 90 miles an hour. Like, Oh my God, how do they scheme that open? And, you know, now he's getting those splash plays. So I think he's finally coming into his own, um, you know, to the satisfaction of Bills fans. But for most of his career, it's been that that polarizing player. You know, we understand. I know Jimmy's <laughs> thinking the same thing I am because his brother is viewed the same way in Pittsburgh. As a solid <laughs> player, but he don't make enough splash plays. Right. And then they have – we have Devin Bush, who is a coverage linebacker, a move linebacker, who's not tougher enough for somebody like myself. So he, you've got one guy that kind of encapsulates two guys we have, but, right. but I, I, I thought that was funny. I had to mention it. Yeah, I was absolutely thinking the same thing. Like like Terrell Edmonds uh, doesn't show up at all when you watch the TV game, you look at the stat sheet, and then you watch the film and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, no, you just see the quarterback being like, nope, that's covered. Nope, that's covered. Yeah. Next play, nope, that's covered. Uh, just absolutely erasing <laughs> chunks of the field. Uh, which is, I'm a big fan of that. I love, I yeah. love uh, the two admins brothers. Those two admins brothers. Know if I love. Modern stats have caught up to the modern linebackers. You know, it's, yeah. it's not all about tackles uh, anymore. So, yeah, he he certainly gets his share, but you know, that's not the measurement I care about. I, I want to know how many times, like you mentioned, the, the quarterback is looking around the field and says, "That ain't happening." <laughs> you know, if there's a way to capture that stat, you know, I'd, I'd love to calculate that one. That would be. That, see now you're gonna have me thinking about it. that. Would be a great one. Is go through, go through, watch, and be like, how many times does a quarterback look that guy's way, and then looked off? That'd be a great right. thing to actually try and track. Um, <laughs> good luck. Good luck. Uh, yeah. 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 Like I, I always tell people, if you could just give me like a billion dollars and fifty interns and like access to all the all twenty two film. Right, I'd, I'd have some interesting stuff I could come up with. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely, and that's actually one of the 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 modern boons is, uh, you know, I'll say guys like me. I don't want to insinuate uh, anything about the two of you, but guys like me who who have a full time job elsewhere, and you know, we're not your traditional analysts or or football professionals, but that doesn't mean we don't have good ideas, and we can kind of crowdsource and come together and come up with things and and make some improvements on how we watch and and view things and. Uh, it's it's kind of wild. Some of the stuff that I started talking about five, six, seven years ago are now becoming uh, mainstream kind of metrics or or discussion points. You know, in a lot of ways, we're finding that the NFL was tracking it but not really using it. Um, but now that we we've brought it up, we've come come to light. Um, you know, so I think hopefully, you know, guys like guys like me, maybe you. <laughs> again, I don't want to insinuate anything. I'm putting myself down a little bit, but um, you know, there, there is a role for us in kind of shaping how things are looked at, which I think is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, I want to get to our predictions for this game. Uh, we are, I was joking around before before the show. I, I told you that, uh, that maybe the, that'd be a great thing if the teams just decide to leave their first team defenses home since both teams have right. a bunch of banged up defenders. We, we both – both teams have – a bunch of guys sitting there that are going to play that aren't in the best shape. Uh, and I said, we can just leave them home and do, and do a good old fashioned shootout, but that's not going to happen. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, so we have to look here and say, I'm going to let you go. I'm actually, I'm not going to, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to put you right here on the spot. <laughs> yeah. I say, yeah, uh, no, that's, that doesn't sound like a privilege at this point. It sounds like, yeah. 
Do you have Do you have a prediction for us for this game? The score for this game. I, so I, I'm not usually the type of guy who does scores. Kind of think it's bad luck, but I, if I got, I got it. Um, I don't know what the Vegas spread is currently at, but it was not good for the Steelers. No, it was not. Uh, it was like I 14, think was, I think. It opened at 14, I think, and then, yeah. then went down to. So, yeah, I'm probably going to roll with something pretty close to that. With the Bills, when they win, it's usually by a lot. Um, yeah. And Kenny Pickett, uh, I haven't looked at the film yet, but the, the track record is not good. On paper, it should be fairly lopsided. Uh, nothing against Pittsburgh. A uh, hell of a program for a lot of years. But this definitely looks like a reset year, um, and you're missing some key players. I mean, we are too, uh, for sure. But, um, you know, you got Josh Allen, you got Stephon Diggs still. That can mask a lot of flaws. Uh, you know, even if we are missing Jordan Poyer on the defensive side, Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott have some sort of defensive back magic wand. Uh, they pull guys out of the, the scrap heap and, you know, they look like all pros. Um, so I, I don't know if I want to go with an exact prediction, um, but I would not be terribly surprised if they cover the spread there. Um, depends on how bad it gets <laughs> quickly. But, you know, the reason I'm, I'm hesitant to give numbers is I still remember the Jacksonville game last year. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do not want anybody replaying this footage <laughs> in a Jacksonville type situation. So, um, you know, if I had to put this down on numbers, um, I don't know what the over under is. Usually Vegas is pretty close to accurate. So let's say something like 17 to 31, something like that to, to cover the spread. Okay. Shannon. Well, before Pickett come in last week, and I was thinking about this game. Uh, I had scores like 41 to 10 in my head, uh, Bills. Um, and, you know, I I watched Buffalo dismantle the Titans. Uh, absolute slaughter, the, the worst I've seen this year. Uh, and that's that was scary. Uh, you know, you see the potential that they have this year. And they're a true contender and, and maybe the favorite. And the Steelers, as you said, it's rebuilding. But I think the Kenny Pickett factor, um, then that I do think that the offense can move the ball and can put points on the board. There will be exciting plays. They will be, you know, rookie mistakes. But I, I think that he's going to surprise everybody and actually cover. And I'm thinking somewhere along the lines of 35 to 24. Now it could be a field goal in there and then they would be able to cover, you know, 38, 24, but I'm thinking that, that like 35, 24 and Pickett won't be able to win it, but he will help him cover. Yeah. I, I don't have a lot of hope for this game without TJ Watt. The Steelers cannot, they can't win. <laughs> cannot get pressure with four players. Our secondary is back. We, we may be missing most of the, the 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 entire starting secondary is on the injury report. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. If you can't get pressure, I can relate. With four, <laughs> if, if you're facing Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs or not, like if you're facing Josh Allen and you can't pressure him with four, and your secondary is not a hundred percent, that's a recipe for a very bad day at the office. Uh, if he can sit back there, the dude has an absolute cannon. He can hit the pass anywhere on the field he wants to. If you're pushing to try and get some kind of pressure, 
he's going to escape. He's going to escape the pocket and run on you. Uh, it's just, it's so bad facing him <laughs> when you can't get pressure with four and the Steelers cannot. So I right there, that tells me there's no way the Steelers are winning this game. There really isn't because they're not going to be able to stop Josh Allen. They're not going to be able to stop him. Hopefully, they'll they'll have uh, Miles Jack or Devin Bush just spy on him, keep him in the pocket, and, and make him beat him with his arm, uh, which still isn't a great – you know, that's not a great thing to go. Yeah, make Josh Allen beat you with his arm. Yeah, very few players have that arm. <laughs> uh, I, I do have hope for Kenny Pickett, but this – for your first start going against the Buffalo Bills versus coming in at halftime against the New York Jets who were prepared for Mitchell Trubisky is a world of difference. That is a world of difference. And as, as much as I love Kenny Pickett and what he brought, the spark he brought, the accuracy he brought, getting passes out in rhythm, seeing the field the way he does, I, I think he's got a great future. But this is this is game one. This is his first right. start, really first start. And Ben Roethlisberger, first his first game, he threw two interceptions when he came in at half in the, in the middle of the game. The next game, he came out and threw an interception with his first pass and his first start. Like you're gonna see rookie mistakes from Kenny Pickett. I mean, Josh Allen threw interceptions in his he threw two in his first start. Right, uh, you're gonna see those, and you can't make that margin of error against the Bills. I think this one's gonna be ugly. I think we're gonna see a defensive touchdown. Um, and for, for the bills, and I, I think we're going to see, you know, something like 30 to 13, 30 to 30 to 17, somewhere around the range you had it. I, I think that's an accurate call. And it, it could, I could see the bill scoring 40 in this game, uh, which is not but, fun. <laughs> yeah, let me give you a hopeful thought. Yeah. So, so actually a couple of hopeful thoughts. Biggest thing when the bills are struggling is because the bills are beating themselves. Uh, that is something they're, they're very much capable of. Uh, but then uh, I'm a big martial arts fan for for people who've read my work over the years. And uh, there's a saying in Japanese swordsmanship, which uh, roughly it translates to the most dangerous opponent is the person who's never trained. So in football terms, you alluded to it. You know, he comes in halftime against the Jets and the Jets, they don't have film on him. You know, they, they don't know what to expect out of him. And that makes a person very dangerous. So, you know, against the Bills, yeah, it is his first start, but there's really not much to go from that. Um, you know, so that, that could, uh, hopefully be some exciting place for you. And, uh, I'm hoping your predictions are right <laughs> for the record, but, um, yeah. you know, you, you never want a boring game. You never want a game where it's over by, you know, the end of the first quarter and everybody knows it. Uh, um, yeah. you know, you don't want to see that. So hopefully, uh, we'll get an exciting game. And again, I, I hope your predictions are just as right as mine was. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to give this for the, the people listening for the Steeler fans at home. So we don't completely bum you out with our predictions. <laughs> Like you said, the Bills do have times where they outplay themselves. Uh, if the Bills' offense is out of sync enough that this defense can hang with them, uh, the hope we have for the Steelers is that George Pickens, uh, Kenny Pickett connection. They were four for four for 71 yards in one half of a game. If all of a sudden they're breaking some plays, you're getting some big plays there. Uh, if you, you're putting people out of the box, maybe you get the run game going. Who knows? Like this right. stuff happened there. There is hope. Uh, but the Bills are going to have to help him out a little. The Bills are going to have to not play a great game. But the Bills are dealing with injuries on defense also. They are. So that that's why I feel like the Steelers with Pickett can score a little more and, and maybe be able to cover. Yeah, give me, 
you know, a little bit of a moral victory. <laughs> right. Hey, that's what All it's right. about when you're rebuilding. Those, those oh. counts for fans. For fans, we're allowed to count those. As a Bills fan, trust me, 17 years of drought, we uh, we cheered on, was it the Seattle Mariners finally broke their drought? Was it this this week? I'm not aware. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, Bills fans, we came in solidarity because, like, we know that feeling. So, yeah, 17-year drought, we we know about moral victories. It's, it's okay to take them. I will support you 100%. <laughs> All right, man. Uh let everyone know who's listening, where they can uh, read your, your stuff, find you on Twitter, uh, yes. wherever you put content. Yeah, so uh, easiest way to find me is on buffalorumblings.com, so another one of the SB Nation sites. Uh, you know, that's the easiest way to do that. I'm starting to break into YouTube a little bit, putting some video content out there. And uh, if you follow me on Twitter, it's probably a poor choice because I don't stick to football. So you're going to have to deal with my shenanigans that are unrelated. So buffalorumblings.com is the best place to find me right now. All right. Thank you so much. Shannon, yeah. what do you have coming out for the people? Well, I I didn't do my weekly rookie review article uh, this year because it didn't look like as many of the rookies from this draft class was going to be contributing on a weekly basis. So I'm doing it quarterly. So I'm working on the first quarter, uh, you know, and, and how each guy's doing. Thankfully, Pickett, you know, got in there towards the end of that. So, you know, we'll be able to talk about him a little bit now, but uh, but that should be uh, dropping sometime tomorrow, maybe. All right, I got to ask you: seventeen games. If you're doing quarterly reports, where's the extra game go? Well, like I said, it'll be the fifth game at the end. So, okay, you, you, yeah. okay, you'll fit that yeah. in at the end. All right, you All cut right, the film after fifteen minutes of the first game <laughs> five. Yeah, like, no, that. It drives me crazy because I'm a I'm a stats guy. I always I love the quarterly updates on the season. Look at yeah. where are they? And now I don't feel we can't like do it no more. Yeah. Like you're like I can you do that. There's 17 games. You can't divide a 17. That's a prime number. You can't divide it up at all. Uh, well, for everyone, everyone, uh, for me, I have uh, the Vertex came out. Make sure you check out behindthesteelcurtain.com. Our Vertex article Dave and I worked on is about George Pickens. And the difference we saw with between him, Kenny Pickett, and Mitch Trubisky throwing him the ball. Uh, I've got uh, one coming out here. I just forgot what it was about. Man, I, I boom skipped my brain. I don't know. Anyways, I've got a video. I've got a film room coming out uh, probably tomorrow or Friday uh, on something. That's uh, going to drive me crazy. I just we're I, older than you, Jeff. <laughs> we're older than you. We forget things. Right. That's Brains okay. don't function. All right. Anyways, that is our show. Thank you so much to Jeff. Kron- oh, I'm going to say it wrong now. It's Kant- okay. Yeah. You got it. You got it. Yeah. Jeff. Very phonetic. Scarecrow, baby. There you go. Scarecrow, thank you so much for coming on, uh, talking bills with us. It's been a great time talking to you. Thank you, Shannon, as always, for being here. Thank you to everyone in the live chat getting your comments. Uh, always enjoy reading them. And, and drawing inspiration from your comments for the show. Uh, and to everyone listening on the podcast platform, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for clicking over to the website and, and spending your days and your football energy with us here at Behind the Steel Curtain. As always, have a great week and let's go, Steelers. Steelers.